As someone who was a corporate trainer for over a decade, I have one example about making mistakes that has always stuck out in my head. This is from John Cleese. If you don't recognize that name, he was one of the members of Monty Python. And this is from a lesson he did called The Importance of Mistakes. So strap in as I tell you the story of Gordon, the guided missile. Now, Gordon, the guided missile, sets off in pursuit of its target. It immediately sends out a signal to discover if it's on the right course. You know, hey, am I going to hit the target? And signals come back to Gordon. No, you're you're not on course. So change it up a bit and uh, go up and a little bit to the left. And Gordon changes course as instructed. And then, rational little fellow that he is, he sends out another signal. Am I on course now? Back comes the answer, no. But if you adjust your present course a bit further up and a bit further to the left, uh, you will be. He adjusts his course again and sends out another request for information. Back comes the answer. No, Gordon, you're, you still got it wrong. Now you must come down a little bit and then about a foot to the right. And the guided missile goes on and on making mistakes and on and on listening to feedback and on and on correcting its behavior until it blows up the nasty enemy thing. And we all applaud for the missile for its skill. If, however, some critic says, well, it certainly made a lot of mistakes on the way, we reply, yes, but that didn't matter, did it? It got there in the end. All of its mistakes were little ones in the sense that they could be immediately corrected. And as a result of making many hundreds of mistakes, eventually the missile succeeded in avoiding the one mistake which really would have mattered, missing the target. And along the way, do you notice that Gordon didn't have a hissy fit? He didn't get defensive. He didn't go, how dare you say I'm too low? No, he accepted the feedback, made changes, and in the end was successful. Last week, we interviewed Adam Curry, and he explained his insights into podcast networks. This week, we're having part two of my discussion with Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamin, who is on Westwood One. So Joe is on a network. He's having huge success. And oh, by the way, Joe uses a coach. And we're going to learn how Joe does more than just gather feedback. What does he do with that information? You often hear knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when you put it into action. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you use the coupon code LISTENER, it's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, this is also the last week of the month, which means we have the question of the month. And this month's question is an oldie but a goodie. I brought it back and it is... What is your top podcasting pet peeve? And this is one of those things about the question of the month. If I do not promote it a ton, 
I don't get a ton of responses, and so we have a few. And so as we start to migrate towards Joe and talking about making great content, because so many people think that if I get on a podcast network, that it will grow my audience. And it's kind of like those people that say, hey, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, I'm whatever. How do I get a manage? Uh, you, How do I get a manage? How do I get a manager? How do I get a manager? And the answer is you don't get a manager until you get something to manage. And so how do you get on a podcast network? They are looking for people to bring an audience to their network. Not so much, hey, you join us and we'll take our audience and bring it to you. So how do you get an audience? Well, you start by not being horrible and not annoying your audience. And so I asked the question, what's your top podcasting pet peeve? The thing that makes you go, ah, and here are the answers we received. Hello, Dave. This is York from the Poetic Earthlings podcast, where we bring short stories, science fiction, and conspiracy theories to life. One of my pet peeves when it comes to podcast is when a podcaster doesn't listen to the show before they publish it. This makes for a really awkward situation where you're listening to a show and there's big gaps or huge technical mistakes. This could be easily avoided just by taking the time to listen to the episode before they hit publish. It doesn't take a lot of work. If there's a podcaster that records one episode per week, there's no excuse. You could take a little bit of time, listen to the show, make sure that everything is right. And if you need to fix anything, fix it. Why release something and you're hoping that it turns out well? Some podcasters kind of cross their fingers and that all is well on the other end when, when they deliver their show to their listeners. They hope that all the, the balancing is done well and there's no huge gaps in between. Why take a chance? Listen to the show. Make sure that everything is good. I know it takes a little bit more time, and probably people are impatient, especially if it's a long episode, like an hour or so, but it's worth it. Once again, this is York from the Poetic Earthlings podcast. You can get a hold of me on poeticearthlings.com. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Thank you, York. I have been guilty of that a few times in my 16 years, and it's always the time you go, I just did it. I understand what's there. There's nothing wrong with this. The one time I don't listen to it is the time that my buddy Scott Johnson from whatwasthatlike.com will say, hey, Dave, uh, that, yeah, it is awkward. But for the record, if I ever do anything and there's something wrong with the episode, never hesitate to reach out to me. Again, I'm all about constant improvement. Hi, Dave. Hello, School of Podcast listeners. This is Seth from Geekville Radio at geekvilleradio.com, where the shows range from topical things like movies and TV shows, current comics and such, to old favorites like the Nostalgia Trip or the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, where we talk about heroes of yesteryear and stuff like that. I also co-host a show called Classic Wrestling Memories over at classicwrestlingmemories.com, which, as the name implies, talks about old school pro wrestling. The biggest pet peeve that I have with shows is probably when it takes too long to get to the subject. Now, there is room for some stuff. Like I want to know who the hosts are and such, and maybe a rundown of what they're going to talk about, where they can be reached and such. That's fine. But what I don't want to hear are 
an overabundance of commercials, a whole bunch of patting themselves on the back and such. When If I tune into a program that says it's about movies and TV, then I expect to hear talks about movies and TV, not upcoming stuff they have planned or a bunch of listener feedback and all that. Listener feedback is great, but save it for the end of the show because that's when the biggest fans are still listening. So anyway, like I said, geekvilleradio.com, classicwrestlingmemories.com, those are the two big sites. Check us out if you want to. We're on all the major digital platforms. Thank you, Seth. And it's kind of weird because as I do this now, I'm like, oh, I, I told you this show was about attitude and podcast networks, and here we are doing uh, pet peeves. Is And I also... I just started it in January just because I was like, ah, I want to do this. I started the little story thing at the beginning, which in a way is not getting to the point, but it's a story that always ends with, and this is what we're talking about today. So any feedback on that, uh, I would love that. Hey, Dave, this is Dan from Based on a True Story at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Okay, my answer to the question of the month is going to sound a bit pretentious, <laughs> although I guess that's pretty much all pet peeves. It's also going to be very ironic because my biggest pet peeve in podcasting are pet peeves. <laughs> I'm all for constructive criticism, but usually I've found people's pet peeves are not that. Of course, there's always exceptions, and sometimes it is good to see what people don't like about a podcast, but usually I've found that the best sort of constructive criticism that I get for my show is when a listener reaches out directly, email or messaging or something like that. But I'm sure that we've all seen those posts on Facebook where listeners talk about their pet peeves and usually boils down to people just complaining about the number of ads or someone's voice, which they can't control, or nitpicking the content apart with their opinions. And that leaves me thinking, if someone doesn't like a podcast, then just don't listen to it. I mean, personally, if I'm listening to a podcast and there's something about it that I don't like, I move on. Like the podcast rodeo show, right? I know you you have that in there where you're like, if you don't like the opinion, feel free to never listen again. Uh, in my case, for example, I don't listen to true crime podcasts because that's just not a genre for me. But I respect the true crime podcasters that are out there. And if they're creating a show that they love to create and there's listeners who love it, great. If something isn't for me, I'm not going to go on social media to complain about it because I'm sure there are people who do enjoy it. I guess in my mind, podcasts are no different than movies, TV shows, books, and things like that in that regard. There's just so much content out there. There's so much great content out there. There's no need to spend time complaining about it. <laughs> and with that, I'm done complaining <laughs> about people complaining. Obviously, I don't want to create content that people complain about, but I also recognize that if I can hold someone's attention long enough to have them complain about it, then I must be doing at least something right. After all, they didn't jump ship after the first few seconds, right? Most of the pet peeve threads that I've seen on social that I'm kind of talking about here have been from podcast listeners who don't really know what it takes to create a show. So I will be very curious to hear what other podcasters have to say in response to this question. As always, thanks for everything that you do for podcasters. Thank you, Dan. Thanks to everybody. We'll have links to everyone's website out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 781. And Dan brings up a good point. People that don't like your show will often just stop listening. 
And I want to point that out because that's what I do. I rarely go to do a, a wherever you go to leave a review to leave a negative review unless you're really, really bad. And so consequently, people love to say, oh, people love my show because the only reviews I've received are positive. And this is where I go back to. Well, first, before I say this, I need to do this. You guessed it. Invisible Sky Buddy Alert. Invisible Sky Buddy Alert. Beware. I was at the Spark Christian Podcast Conference speaking this week in Dallas. Had a great time. And can I do a little humble brag? This was so cool. It really made my day. This is a great way to start off your week. You walk into the NRB was there. That's the National Religious Broadcasters, or as like I like to call it, old dudes in suits. And uh, and I include myself in in that list. And it was this huge conference. And then Spark was a, a smaller corner of it. And I walk into a session at the NRB that they're doing on podcasting. They have there's somebody there that I want to get uh, that was getting 75 million downloads after two years of podcasting. I would so want to get her on this podcast. And then there was also people like Rob Kirkpatrick from uh, Focus on the Family. He's the executive producer of Focus on the Family. Now, if you're not into the whole Jesus thing, Focus on the Family is a huge thing. And Rob is on stage. And as I walk in about four minutes late, they were talking about how do you grow your audience? And he said, oh, if you really want to grow your audience, Talk to that guy standing in the back, that's Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. So, Rob, thank you so much for the shout out. That made my day. I looked at uh, my buddy Thomas from authormedia.com and I'm like, hey, we can go home now. That was awesome. But Rob said something that I think most podcasters, again, going back to the attitude, we're getting there, was, is your show any good? And just because you spent four hours on it doesn't mean it's good. I could actually get some paints and an easel and something to whatever you, a canvas, but I could spend four hours painting something. And I'm here to tell you, it probably wouldn't be any good. My brother got all the drawing talent in, in the gene pool. In fact, uh, Rob actually was talking about how he made a podcast for younger kids and they ran it through some tests and it's not always reviews. It could be, Hey, if the goal, we always go back to that. Why? Why are you podcasting? And if the goal is I want more business uh, or I want people to download my lead magnet or I want people to tell the world, whatever it is, are people doing that? And so that's a way to say, hey, is my podcast good means are people doing what I want them to do when they get done listening? And so that's one of those things that when people ask for feedback. Jordan Harbinger had a great, a phenomenal episode about asking for advice. And in it, he said, when a person asks for advice, what they're really looking for is encouragement and validation, and maybe like even a little bit of permission to go about it the way they want to go about it. Even though that person is phrasing it as, I need some help with navigating this decision. What they're really looking for is validation. Like, hey, I need you to agree that what I'm doing right now is right. And I get that's kind of what it is. But I also see people when I ask them, hey, is your podcast any good? Have you done any kind of focus group? Have you gotten some people on Zoom to talk about your show like you're not in the room? They haven't done that yet. And the reason for that is it's hard. 
it's hard to take something you just worked six hours on and holy cow, uh, and then go, hey, here's this piece of art I just made. Uh, can you rip it to shreds for me? And that's not really what you're looking for. But after all, because here's the thing, and this is why people like Rob and and Tara and a couple other people there were saying this, is people are starting to say, this is how you grow your podcast. And I'm not saying this isn't, but, and that is Facebook ads, overcast ads, Spotify ads, you know, paying for advertisements because you can get these hyper niche advertisements. And I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I'm saying it's a bad idea if you haven't answered the question, has someone who you're not related to and someone who wasn't your childhood friend listen to your podcast and say, yes, you know, are they doing what you want them to do? Are they enjoying it? Is it making them laugh, cry, think, grown, educate, or entertain? And it's hard because that takes the the right attitude, an attitude of, ooh, I want to make sure this is the best for you. And I'm going to tie this in with one little tangent here. So many people worry about, because right now everybody's talking about premium podcasting and selling additional episodes and things of that nature. And yet the people that are doing this are not telling their audience to sign up. And when I ask them why, they're like, eh, I don't want to feel like, yeah. And that actually translates to, I don't want to be a car salesman. Nothing against car salesmen, but every car salesman in the 70s and in movies, they're always slimy people trying to sell you some sort of bucket of bolts. And that's the thing I, again, go back to, is your podcast a bucket of bolts? How, how do you know it's not a bucket of bolts? Because if your podcast actually is serving people, and Rob, I talked to him afterwards and said, hey, dude, thanks for the shout out. Wow, that was really, really cool. Because people did come up to me after that session. That was really cool. But Rob has surveyed his audience. He knows what people are struggling with. He started, he created just a series, not an ever long going forever kind of podcast, but he made a series on pornography. Why? Because people struggle with that. He figured out who his audience is and what do they need, and then they made that content. And so that's what we're talking about here when it comes to listening and then putting it out there, getting feedback, and just like Gordon, the guided missile going, oh, I didn't realize that. Let me adjust this a little bit so it's the best thing that I can give you and you hit your target. And that requires a great attitude. And so I'm going to talk to Joe Salsi High, who when he joined the network, they said, hey, we're not going to mess with your content. And then they kind of did. And I'll let you hear what they did right after this. Because right now I want to talk about PodPage. Have you tried PodPage yet? What? It's free. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash try PodPage. This allows you to take your RSS feed from your media host, put it into PodPage, and it spits out a podcast website. It looks great. It's professional. You can add things like guests, sponsors. You can add affiliate links. You can add artwork. You can add links to PayPal and buy me a coffee and Patreon and all it integrates. It's made with podcasters in mind. This isn't you trying to shoehorn a podcast into something like a Squarespace or a WordPress. Oh, I'm trying to find the right theme and the right plugin. It is all there in one place. And it's so easy. Let me give you an example. This is a new feature. Brendan just rolled out. If you have guests on your podcast, check this out. You now have a form where you can send that to your guest. They put it in and it adds their information into PodPage. And when they're done with that form, it takes them, if you have one, 
to the scheduling link. So if you have something like Acuity Scheduling or Calendly or TidyCal, it'll go there and then they can go over and actually schedule it. Then you record your episode, you publish it, you go in. That information that they added, you now just go in and say, oh, this guest is on this episode, and it automatically puts it right there in the episode. And, but wait, there's more. It creates a guest page. So people can go to your website if you want one and show all the guests that have been on your show. When they click on the guest, it takes them to the episode where they can listen to it. I am not lying when I say pod page is cool. I'm not lying when I say you can try it for free for seven days. All you need is the RSS feed from your media host. You plop it in there and then you can go in and tweak it to make sure that pod page is a great fit for you. Do it. Do it now. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash try pod page. I started this conversation with Joe Salsi High from Stacking Benjamins. If you want more money in your life, you want to manage your money better, check out stackingbenjamins.com. It is a very unique podcast. It is unlike any other money podcast, and that's why he is just crushing it, and that's why he is on the Westwood One Network, and that was one of the areas that I wanted to talk to him about it. We all wonder you know, about this magic bubble that could be the podcast network, so why not ask someone who's on one? Everybody I know is like, should I join a network? And I always say, well, and, and I'm going to tell you what I tell, and then you can say, well, here's what I would add to that, or, or here's some firsthand experiences. Number one, I would say, make sure who owns the show, and then also, if you can, contact somebody, someone on the network, and ask them what was like before and after, uh, and then if they decide to leave, who owns the content while you were on the network. So give us some insights as to your journey to a network and uh you know, if you can say, obviously there's, hopefully there's some pros, but if there's any negatives, I don't, I don't want you to bite the hand that feeds, but uh, if you can share anything, that'd be great too. Well, the cool thing is, is they've been great about uh, any negative feedback that I've had, but I've had very little, but I think, you know, it's kind of like we talk about with people when it comes to money management, begin with the end in mind, uh, Stephen Covey, seven habits, highly successful people start with the end in mind. And my goal has always been to own the show. I remember a podcast movement, Roman Mars, one of my podcasting idols saying, remain independent, be fiercely independent. And we were approached by a couple other networks and I won't, you know, say names, but we were approached by networks. I'm like, nope, don't want anything to do with that. And then Westwood One came calling. And what was sad about Westwood One, Dave, is that I'm emotional about it. And for me, that's that was horrible because I'm like, I don't want to join a network and I don't want to be. It can't be an emotional decision. But mm. I remember helping my dad change the oil on our car when I was a kid out in the garage or or we're, you know, getting ready to mow the lawn and we're listening to the World Series on Westwood One or the Final Four on Westwood One, like Westwood One and sports and me, it's, it was the soundtrack I grew up to. And then Westwood mm. One calls and goes, hey, we're, th- we're, we're thinking about this network. So it started off emotional. It was the first time I went, maybe, yeah. Mm. And then I did research into the the people that ran the podcasting division. And I mm. called people that I knew that knew these people. John Wardock at Westwood One was at the Wall Street Journal and helped them build their podcasting network before he left. I know people at the Wall Street Journal because of what I do. So I called them and nobody said anything mediocre about John. 
they were all John's fantastic. And I'll say John is absolutely a fantastic human being. So we decided to do it during the contract. I found out later that the contract was way more. And this is what they won't want me to say, but I'm okay with this. <laughs> the contract was way more negotiable than I thought it was. And uh, there are people that negotiated more stuff than I did. I'm very happy with what I negotiated. But but if you're thinking about it, the contract's negotiable. The big thing, though, is what you said. I wanted to own the show. I wanted to be able to tell them to stick it. And I didn't, I didn't want them messing editorially with my content. And I wanted that in writing. Now, John said to me, he's like, the reason we're bringing you here is because we like your content. Why would I mess with it? Right. What's funny is, by the way, right now they're messing with my content. <laughs> as, as we're talking right now, they're messing with my content, but not in a horrible way, in a way that actually is very helpful. And our show has needed some innovation uh, for some time. And, and I've been at kind of wit's end about what to do to innovate next. And these people work with so many shows and they've seen me a hundred times. I'll tell you what I like personally, being a guy that um, is kind of competitive. I like the fact that I went from feeling like this is going to make me sound so egotistical, but the a guy that was a huge podcast in this little tiny pond to now on the Westwood one in their network, I'm the little crappy tiny podcast in their in their pond. And I have to tell you, nothing makes me more creative than the fact that I'm no longer a shark. I'm a minnow and I need to grow. I need, need, need to grow. In fact, I had a second podcast and John gave me some good advice. He said, he said, why are you not spending every minute of your time growing Stacking Benjamins? Why do you have this little podcast that could grow from really super tiny to maybe just tiny in the next year while Stacking Benjamins could finally maybe get on a map? And that was that was meaningful, great advice. So I put that show on hiatus, and now I spend every minute thinking about how we can can do a better show for Stacking Benjamins. Well, you mentioned earlier that you got advice from a coach. Is that what inspired you to? I mean, because you've been doing this a while. The show every time I talk to you, the show's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you just got more because of my podcast stories. So, what inspired you then to you know get a coach because it sounds like you were going pretty good in my book. I've had a coach forever. I do better with coaching. I will, Dave, I will. It's like the MIT course that we opened up with. Mm -hmm. I will overpay for coaches because I love, I thrive when people give me opinions of my work uh, that hit my blind spot. So my coach, Mary Lou is her name. She thinks about the world half empty. You and I've known each other for a while. I am. A hundred percent glass ain't even half full. It's three quarters away full all the time. And so she will just call me out on stuff. And so I hire her kind of argue with me. <laughs> I don't want somebody that's going to agree with me. Just go, Joe, you rock. You're great. No, I need somebody who I know loves me and is in my corner that will tell me you're messing it up. And so that that's been always very powerful for me. See, and that's the key to me. I think half the battle of making a good podcast is the attitude. And you've always had a great attitude of like, I just want this to be the best. I want to, it's all about the audience and serving them and, and not so much. Well, do you know who I am? Do you know I'm on Westwood one? What? How dare you? You know, it's like, 
they gave you some ideas to innovate. Can we share what, what that innovation was that you're thinking about doing? Yeah, of course it has to do with sponsors, right? Shocking. Yeah. Huh? Uh, more money. And it, what's funny yeah. is that Teresa, my handler, they don't call her my handler, by the way. That's what I call her. But, right. but she refers to me as the talent, which very much strokes my ego. <laughs> but Teresa said, when she gave me some feedback, she said, it's always about the money. And, and I said, yes, that's the stage that we're playing on now. And she said that, our show is too long and has some fat in it and you need to remove that. And, and I immediately, because I'm very protective of my stuff, I basically said, F you, right. <laughs> you are wrong. But then she told me she backed away from there's fat in my show and instead said, here's the deal, Joe, because we have a variety show that airs three days a week. I know we cannibalize our audience I publish more often, Dave, than people can listen. Not as much as Glenn, but he does the same thing, right? Nobody right. can listen to Glenn the Geek Show five. Some people can. Some people listen to us three days a week. But you look at our audience size versus the number of downloads per episode. There's a huge difference in those numbers because people can't keep up with us. So I also know that because it's a variety show, people don't stay around for the whole show. But I can tell by the numbers they come back for the next one, which is what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm not a completionist when I listen to podcasts. I, I take Dave Jackson out of my run. Hate to tell you, Dave, sometimes I finish, sometimes I don't. And if I don't, I don't hear the end of the podcast. But it happens a lot to us. And my mid-rolls were too close to the end of the episode. Mm. And because my mid-rolls, our shows run about 80 minutes, often 75 to 80 minutes. And by the way, for a finance show, that rings long, right? Yeah. So Teresa saw that number and I challenged her on, have you listened to my show? And can you give me specific feedback? Because that's what I want. I want somebody. To, right. And it turned out she hadn't listened to my show. She's my handler, hasn't listened to my show. So I thought that was baloney. And she told me John Wardock was going to give me feedback. Well, John, John does listen to my show. That's why he recruited me. But I told her that, Teresa, I need you to listen to my show and give me feedback too. But she said, She's she's going to do that. We're about to have a meeting where Westwood One's going to have, I think she said, five people in the room giving me feedback about the show, which is a little intense. Yeah, that's a lot intense. Yes. But she did say she said those mid rolls are too near the back end and too many people have tuned out. And because of that, they're looking at the number of people are listening at that time and we're giving them so many impressions. We need to give them more impressions for the episode. So you got to move it toward the front. Well, you and I know that in Com 101. There's in any message, there's a sender and there's a receiver and there's the message between and that and noise and friction gets in the way. Right. And your job as a as a coach at this and my job as a producer of a podcast and you producing this podcast is to minimize the noise. I know the closer to the front my mid roll goes the more noise I'm putting in, in my, my listeners is a guy that loves podcasts. Nothing I want better than to hear the ads earlier. Like if you could serve me more ads and earlier, boy, I'm happy with that. And by the way, for people that don't know, I'm sarcastic. I'm being very sarcastic, right? <laughs> Please. I love that when they start off with seven minutes of ads exactly and I just keep hitting skip, 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 skip. Nope. Skip again. And one more skip. Okay. There we go. Finally. Yeah. What's cool is we figured out for our show what to do. I created a trivia segment when we began our show. Not that I really wanted trivia, but I wanted a trivia question. As a guy that listens to podcasts, I wanted a trivia question. And then I wanted to give you time to think about it while I play a couple ads and then give you the trivia answer. And that was a way, Dave, for me to disguise the mid-roll. 
I put the trivia after the main guest of the show. So we do two headlines, a main guest, and then we do the trivia and then a listener question. And the basic way that our show is arranged is like a mullet, like Dave has taught me, business in the front, party in the back, right? So (laughs) we're going to get to the point at the beginning of the show. And at the end, it's for people that want to hang out with us for just a little longer. So we're going to do listener question. What are Joe and OG doing? Are we going anywhere now that COVID's over? Whatever. But trivia was part of that. But I realized that by just switching the trivia a little bit, I can put it before the main guest. And you know what's funny? It actually flows better now. Mm. And people like it better because now I've got my short choppy segments. Uh, I got headline one choppy, headline two choppy, trivia choppy. And then I've got a nice long 20, 25 minute interview. And then we do the listener question to cap off the show. Mid rolls are done by the 30 minute mark often by the 25 minute mark, which is keeps the Westwood one sponsors happy. The last thing I want to talk about is again, this goes back to your attitude. One of my mantras is constant improvement. So you spent a lot of money on a course that has great information in it. Did you also go to your calendar and say, and this is what I'm going to take that knowledge and put it to use. We're actually doing it as we go. So now I've only, by the way, I'm, you and I are talking It's a six week course. I've been through two weeks. I find for me, if I don't implement it right away, it's, it's bad news. So I immediately go to Gertrude, our social media manager, review all the stuff with her that the course was about. And then we put an action plan together right there. Full well knowing, by the way, that we're probably going to mess it up a little. There's going to be stuff we're going to learn in week five that is going to go against our action plan now. But I'd rather be, listen, I'd rather be 80% correct and do something than than be 100% correct and do nothing. I did that when I first started my podcast. It it took me forever to know that something like Libsyn existed. I knew about mixers. I had been on the radio before. I couldn't figure out how the hell it got from here where you and I are talking into the cloud to somebody's and then I heard about Libsyn and the, the heavens opened up, the angels saying, but a year had gone by. Seriously, a year had gone by with me worried about this stupid crap. So that's when I decided 80% is good enough. The second that I'm learning stuff, we're trying it out. Otherwise, it's a waste of money. I, I can't even wait for the end of uh, podcast movement or PodFest. I have to go back up to my room that night And I've got to make an action plan with what I learned that individual day or it's gone. And I learned so much money in these, you know, these conferences are are not cheap. So uh, uh, going to these costs a lot of money. I need to make sure that it pays. Did did they mention anything about being everywhere? I've heard that from well-meaning people. But, but you know, you know what I'm I'm learning over time is that you can't be everywhere. And what I am learning is if you're going to be somewhere, you should be there authentically. And I just keep getting the feeling, Dave, I can't be authentic on 18 platforms, <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah. I, I got to pick, I got to pick a couple and I got to go deep there. So I think I got to figure out where I meet my audience at. And for me, frankly, it's Instagram and Twitter are going to be where I'm meeting people live. Facebook page is a waste of time. Our Facebook group is for our deep fans, you know? Right. So those are going to kind of be my engines. I, I tried, club. I can't do clubhouse, man, but I am, I am trying out a new one that's coming called fireside, which is really cool. Yeah. Back by Mark Cuban. Yeah. I love it. I actually do love it. And we're going to do a live show every week on fireside. I think. 
for a while. There you go. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks again. I see. I, I knew you would be bringing gold. So I appreciate that. If you uh, want to check out, in my opinion, hands down, like I, I don't. Well, here's why I don't listen to other shows about money because I don't have to. Like you are the go to guy. If there's a topic you're looking for, Joe's probably talked about it, and you can find that over at stackingbenjamins.com. Joe, thank you so much, buddy. Hey, great hanging out with you, man. Oh, I love that attitude. I, I Here's a couple of things. Joe knows his strengths. I love the fact he said, hey, when I got put in to this big pond and now I'm a small fish, he knows that's going to spur him on to do more and be more. Uh, it's interesting that he said he started a second podcast and they're like, why are you doing that? And that is like the third or fourth time I've heard that message come back to me because I have five podcasts right now. And I, if I really want to do what I want to do going forward, I need to probably scale that back a bit. Uh, I love the fact he said, I'd rather have a podcast and I'm kind of paraphrasing this, but basically he said, look, I put a podcast out and I would rather impact 80% of my listeners than try to be perfect and, you know, affect a hundred percent of the nobody that I'm reaching. I was like, man, that is powerful stuff. And so many people, perfection is one of the biggest problems of podcasting. We think it's going to be perfect. And speaking of being perfect, let me give you a little story that happened while I was in Texas. And that is I woke up the day of my speech. I was a little groggy from flying in the day before, grabbed my beard trimmer and went about halfway, like half a stripe up my face. And I realized I was having a whole lot of hair fall out of my head. And I was like, oh, and I looked and sure enough, uh, things had adjusted during flight and I was trimming my beard much, 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 much shorter. Now, this is not the first time that has happened, which is kind of sad, but nonetheless, I was groggy. And so luckily, the first time I did this, I was like, it was like a bald stripe. This was like, it was just shorter. So what do you do? I trimmed the rest of my beard, not to the same shortness length because it was really short, but I trimmed it shorter than usual. So it was less obvious, right? The way to make something uh, sound fast is you put it next to something uh, slow. So the way you make something look short is to have it next to something tall. So I trimmed the tall stuff and I was absolutely just thinking, oh, this is going to look so bad when I get on stage. And towards the end of the presentation, I pointed it out because I'm like, we all think we have to be perfect. And I pointed right at the spot. I'm like, see this right here? This is shorter. And for me, it was like like blinking red lights. Like, oh, look at this short spot on my neck. Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. Even at lunch, I went to lunch and pointed to somebody. I'm like, hey, do do you see? And they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, so many times we have some hurdle in front of us. It's a mental hurdle that's stopping us from launching our podcast. And I'm here to tell you, nobody's going to notice. I have two quick quotes I want to share with you. One from Winston Churchill. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. And it is a big difference because it's the attitude that's stopping a large portion of people that have really good content and they just can't hit record. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And that's it. You just continue. Gordon, the the guided missile, 
keeps on going. Joe Salsi high is now on a major network. He still got a coach. Tiger Woods had a coach. It's all about constant improvement, not perfection. One more. And this is from an old white guy from a long time ago. So he uses the word man. Please insert your gender. When you hear this, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. And that is good old Thomas Jefferson. And I want to keep talking here just about blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You know how he was just mentioning how it doesn't have to be perfect. Can I let you in on a little secret? This is behind the scenes stuff. Hit the rewind button. Go back 30 seconds. The air conditioning was running and the air conditioning is not running now. And I bet you didn't notice. But oh, my God, the girl. The air conditioning was on. There was a hum probably in the background. The stuff that you think it has to be perfect, it doesn't. Look, you want to strive for perfection. But when you shoot at perfect and you miss, you land on really, really good. We heard the answers for the question of the month in June today. I need the answers for the question of the month in July. And I have an interesting one. And this might be the one that completely blows up in my face because you have to think about this one. And I just get it in your head. I don't care what happened. Maybe your spouse took over the walk-in closet and you lost your studio. Maybe something physically happened to you. And for whatever reason, something has happened. Your priorities have changed. Something, whatever. It doesn't really matter why. But here's the issue. You have to stop podcasting. There's no way around it. Podcasting is going to leave your life. It might be temporary. It might be for you are no longer going to podcast. Got that? What are you going to miss the most? If you, I realize this is kind of a backwards way of saying, why do you podcast? But I like this one better. If somebody said, Hey, you know what? We're going to pay you a gazillion dollars to do this new job, but it's going to be a lot more time. And you're like, ah, I guess I'm going to have to give up podcasting, whatever it is. What would you miss the most if you had to stop podcasting today? Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I need that by July 23rd. And of course, this is how this works. You say, hey, it's Dave Jackson, except you would say your name. It would be kind of weird if you said, hey, it's Dave Jackson, because it's not. Then you would say the name of your podcast. You can give us the little tagline where we do blah, 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 so people can yada, yada, yada. And then your website address. And again, remember, there are no prizes for saying your website address the fastest. And then you say, if I had to stop podcasting today, the thing I would miss the most is blank. And it doesn't, there's no time limit. You can make it as short or as long as you want. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I need it by July 23rd, 2021. All right, quickly, I want to share some things here from the Spark Christian Podcast Conference. And again, if the word Jesus drives you crazy, now would be a time to tune out. I want to tell you, especially if you, this is really for everybody. It's called The Chosen. And here's what's cool about this. This is a an online series about day-to-day life in Bible times, and it just so happens to also include this guy named Jesus and his 12 buddies as they go around and, you know, do that whole miracle thing. And here's why, and you're like, Dave, I'm really, I'm, I'm an atheist. I'm not into this. Okay, great. But here's what I wanted to talk about. Number one, 
why? Because I got there and everybody was like freaking out over this thing. It was everywhere. And I was like, that's kind of weird because I consider myself a person of faith. I think Jesus is cool. And yet I've not heard anybody say that to me. And I was like, huh, okay. But they want to raise a hundred million dollars to do five seasons. And it's actually, they're getting a lot of really cool stuff. So it is really right now the number one highest crowdfunded media project of all time. So even if you don't like the Jesus stuff, you could go over and click on their pay it forward thing and see what they're doing. For those of you that are using Patreon or Glow.fm or Supercast, you can see what rewards they're doing. But here's the other thing. Why is this catching a flame? Look, I've grown up in the church and I saw Charlton Heston, let my people go. Yeah. Okay. A lot of overacting, a lot of bad, you know, when I grew up, I would try to listen to Christian music and it sounded like it was recorded underwater on a boom box while the band was in the garage. It was horrendous. But the bad news is, is churchy people kind of go, oh, it sounds great by the time it gets to the Lord's ears. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's awful. You know, and so this is well shot, well produced. Here's a novel idea. Well acted. I watch some of these like churchy movies. Is that offensive? I don't know. Religion. See, I, I hate the word religion, but Christ centered movies. And many a time, it's not what I would call a great script. And I would also say it's not exactly well acted, but it's great by the time it gets to God's eyes. And I'm like, eh, not sure about that. And so this is really good. Jesus, I'm not making this up. In one episode, I wish you could remember, Jesus said, hey, not too shabby. And there are going to be some people that go, blasphemy. How dare you? Right. Exactly. And, but for me, it's, it's how do I get a message to new people? Because we've tried everything. This is a new way. So it's going to be eight seasons and it's, they've done something to make it stick out. It's not a movie. It's a series. It's like a television series online. Oh, and by the way, and you're like, okay, what's the catch? What do I have to do? It's absolutely free. They don't even need your email address. Does that make it stick out? Uh Uh-huh. So how do you get people to talk about your content? You do things that make it stick out. I mentioned when I was talking to the people at Spark, many of them did things to make it stick out that I kind of made me scratch my head. But then they said they got 75 million downloads in two years. And I went, huh? And that is Tara Lee Cobble, who I thought I met. And if you want to hear the end of that story, go over to betterdave.com. That's my latest episode. And she, here's what she does. She somehow assigns you. It's the, one of these whole Bible in a year things. So you read like, I don't know, two and a half books or something of the Bible or chapters of the Bible. And then as she put it, this is her description. I then come on and tell you what you just read. And it's eight minutes. It's designed for somewhat women. I I believe so, if I remember right. And she starts it off with good morning. And I was like, that's interesting because you can listen to a podcast anytime. But that's her subtle way of saying this is kind of a morning meditation thing. And I was like, well, that's a little different. And who knows? why this blew up. I'm dying to get, if anybody knows Tara Lee Cobble, I've sent her a thing on her website. I would love to find out how do you go from zero to 75 million? And yes, it's a daily show, but that's still like a hundred thousand downloads an episode. So, but it was a matter of, she knew her audience. She knew the moms in the car. She said, I've got to make this eight minutes or less. I don't know why she came up with eight minutes. 
And again, she kind of tweaked it over the years, but it's something that stood out. And you're like, how does it stand out? Because nobody else was doing a podcast where they're like, hey, that thing you just read, let me tell you what just read. Because when you think about it, you're like, oh, that would never work. 75 million downloads in two years. There's only one way to know if it's going to work, and that's to put it out there. Again, you're not helping anyone. You're not inspiring anyone. You're not making anyone laugh or cry or think with that podcast on your hard drive. One last little thing here. I don't know about you, but during 2020, the dumpster fire that was 2020, I attended many online events. And look, they were fine. And and some of them were, you know, hey, it's the mega online marketing mavericks for millions where you quit your day job and you know that whole nine yards. And you're like, ugh. But there were some really good, and it was, it was fine. There are plenty of great presentations. But I'm here to tell you, if you can attend a, a some sort of event whatever your genre is. So if I'm Shane Wiley from uh, Tourpreneur, I would go to some sort of tour travel thing. Uh, For me, I go to podcast events because that's where my peeps are. And I'm here to tell you the stuff I learned at lunch and dinner. And again, Misty, this is nothing against your speakers. They were all fine. It was all fine. And it's kind of like when you have a burger and then somebody brings you a dessert that you're like, oh, and it's not that you don't, Appreciate the burger, but the dessert was like, oh, chocolate peanut butter pie. Oh, my God. Right. And I, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Thomas at authormedia.com. He and I kind of were talking about the school of podcasting. He's, he's all, if you want to write a book, if you deal with authors, if you do anything with the bookie stuff, you got to go see Thomas at authormedia.com. And we talked about some stuff. And I, again, if you are open to ideas, if you're open to constant improvement, and he just showed me a couple of stuff and I went, oh man, that makes total sense. That makes absolute total sense. And I've mentioned in the past, I'm going to be changing some things with the school of podcasting. And with some feedback from Thomas, I was like, oh, I'm definitely changing some things. And I'm not going to talk about it here. Uh, I will later when things are ready to go. But I'm just here to say, if you get a chance to go, and I know you might be worried about the whole COVID thing and traveling. I was, every single plane was packed solid. The minute I got inside an airport, I had to put a mask on. And I, I personally, I'm vaccinated. So I didn't really worry about it. But I'm just here to say that if you get a chance, if you're listening to this in 2025 and you get a chance to go to an event in person about your content, go. Go because I again, I love the online things, but man, within like I don't know, two hours of being there and having a hallway conversation, getting a shout out from Robert Kirkpatrick, these are things that just don't happen if you're not there. So, if you're thinking about going to an event, go. I'm here to tell you, it was awesome. Plus, you get to eat great food. I want to give another shout out to Zachary Russell, he does the fantastical truth. Podcast. You can find him at ZacharyRussell.com, who introduced me to the lovely world of Jason's Deli. Quite yummy, I might say. So thank you so much for listening. In the future at the School of Podcasting, I'm going to give you some insights into my Adam Curry interview. I know I kind of peeled back the curtain on that, uh, but I've learned a lot of things from that interview. I got a lot of great feedback on that, and there's some things that had me going, huh, So when you go to schoolofpodcasting.com to sign up, you can also subscribe to the show 
and never miss an episode. Of course, the website, schoolofpodcasting.com, coupon code LISTENER. Thanks so much for tuning in as I help rid the world of boring podcasts. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. And so Gordon didn't pop a cork. Gordon didn't. Man, I'm so close. Their goal. Nothing on earth can help them with. Ah, crap. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Of Zoom online webinar event. You know, big thing. It's the big. uh, I don't know. I, I was supposed to come up with some words there.